everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, and this is our second or third take of the evening. It's been one of those weeks. What's up, dude? Hey, it's good. How are you, Scott? I am uh, I am delightful. I'm super happy right now because every week we play the music, and every week I like rock out and dance, and you look at me stoically. I, no, I bob my uh, head every week. <laughs> you, you bob my head, but, I, but this week I have two people enthusiastically rocking out with me, yes. and uh, and I, I feel loved. The backup dancers. That's right. No, 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 no. Uh, no. If anything, I'm if anything, I'm the backup dancer, right? Uh, and and you guys are the main event. Oh. Uh, we have two guests with us this week. Those Tell us who they are. <laughs> those voices <laughs> that you hear. We uh, we have the honor of Senator Carrie Hicks. Hello, Senator. So excited to be here. Yes, Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. And then we have um, actress, uh, film producer, oh. activist extraordinaire. Oh yes, all uh, that. Khaki Porch is here with us. Hi there. Totally above average <laughs> so they say that's right <laughs> khaki for those of you who watch us regularly you may have uh you may remember khaki from the election night show last yes, november that's right. which was a super good time you were that's a guest right. there yes um, and you. we couldn't really talk then about what we're going to talk about later tonight which is a movie that you have premiering yes here in like a Center. week right? in a week a week from tonight i'm so yep. pumped i'm gonna i'm gonna try to win scott some passes because the streetcar is giving away passes, and I told they Scott they already got them. There's uh, one every day. Oh, so, yeah, uh, today's Thursday, then Friday, then Monday. Okay. I told Scott I was like, I'm off on Friday. I'm gonna ride the streetcar at lunchtime and just look for them at all the stops and see what I can find. I've not ever actually been to Dead Center. It's one of my greatest. Oh. It's one of my greatest oh. failings yeah. as a person. Oh, it's the greatest. It really is. I yeah. know I'm partial, but it is. It is fantastic. We went the last two years. And so now that's like our that's our Christmas present to ourselves. Yes. We just buy passes, and then we're like, "That's all we'll do." It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah it's really a great nice. deal, especially on Black Friday. That's right. Um, shall, shall we? Because we've we've been we've been podcasting without <laughs> recording for like forty five <laughs> minutes now. Yes. So should we should we get straight into it? Yes. These yes. Let's get to the news. All right, we are we are actually contrary to every other time we've done this. We're actually going to keep it short and sweet this week. We have two articles and then one announcement that will come as a surprise to no one. So, first up this week, we've got a uh, a topic that really has two articles, one from Oklahoma Watch and one from the Oklahoman. Uh, the long-awaited opioid trial uh, started this week on Tuesday here in uh, here in Oklahoma. Um, I feel like they should call it the Opioid Chronicles. Oh, mm. right there you go. We actually we actually have only one company now. So we started with several defendants. Uh, some have settled. So Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is a company out of Israel, has settled for eighty five million dollars. Uh, Purdue Pharmaceuticals which doesn't seem like that much money. Don't get me started. I uh, mean, if it was in my account, it'd be a lot of money. Right. But I mean, based on what did we say? They're they're uh, gross. So, they're, so well. So this is a highlight of the of the. Uh, of the of the piece here, so attorneys for the state say that it may take between twelve point seven billion with a B and seventeen point five billion over a twenty to thirty year period to abate Oklahoma's opioid problem. And they're asking the uh, Cleveland County District Judge, Judge Dad Balkman, to order drug companies named in the lawsuit to pay for it. So we have a settlement for two two seventy uh, from Purdue Pharmaceuticals, of which like. Really, if we're like going to call a spade a spade, twelve and a half million is actually going to abate the opioid problem. Sixty-ish um, of that went to attorneys' fees, and the other two hundred cool. million uh, went to yeah, yeah. So 
So we need twelve billion, and from this one settlement, we got twelve million. Yeah, that's, right. Well, that's we got one one thousandth of we, what we need. Right. We got to we got two seventy from the settlement with Purdue, but like two hundred of it went to uh, two hundred of it went to the the new addiction center uh, at OSU. At, at OSU. Yeah. Uh, then Teva Pharmaceuticals settled, settled for eighty five million. So that's eighty five plus twelve and a half. I'm not great at the new math, but that seems <laughs> that seems a bit shy of twelve point seven billion. So something's, something's missing, <laughs> right? So it remains to be seen if uh, you know. I I, I think uh, from what I from what I hear, people seem like uh, it seems like Oklahoma uh, and the legal team that's representing the state is doing a good job of making their case. So far, we've had uh, opening statements and then uh, evidence and. I don't know what all. I'm not a lawyer. Well, all the trial stuff started started yesterday, um, and it seems like it's probably going reasonably well. Um, I don't know. Johnson and Johnson is the main defendant at this point. I don't know if they have between 12.7 and 7.5 billion that we could yes. get. Uh, I know. Th- yes. I know that they have a lot. I do know that. So uh, that is definitely a big, big deal to keep an eye on over these next few weeks. So check that out from Oklahoma Watch and the Oklahoman. Um, next up, there was there was a kerfuffle. Hang today. on, yes. just I just googled how much money Johnson Johnson cash on hand for the quarter ending March thirty first. Just they have fifteen point three three six billion dollars. Oh, so that's right in the middle. What? Okay, just cash on hand, like hanging out. In the okay, bank. all right. I have I'm little, twenty opening, bucks. Let me open my wallet. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine dollars cash on hand. I have three IOUs. Do you? That's yeah. right. You're just, <laughs> just moths in your wallet. Yeah. Nice. So uh, this is a lot. I rarely have cash. So um, can you imagine a wallet with just like eight, fifteen billion dollars in it? It's just a couple of trucks. Oh, I'd be, be more than a couple of trucks. <laughs> well, you know. I would like a withdrawal. I would like to withdraw, <laughs> empty my account. I'd like fifteen point eight billion dollars. In ones, right. please. Nickels. 15, like, <laughs> 15.8 billion in singles. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the opioid trial. That's, that's an aside, but do you remember? So the guy that I think there's a single individual who was the largest Powerball jackpot winner of all time. He won like $900 million and he blew it. Um, and so there's all these stories. This is probably 15 years ago. Um, I used to read FARC.com all the time, which is kind of a sure. news aggregator. Um, with FARC? A, FARC, F-A-R-K. Mm. Um, with like a comedic slant. And there's all these stories about this guy. <laughs> I think it was, I think, Jack something. But he, where he like, you bought a Porsche and then he like went to this strip club and left like $900,000 in his car in cash and someone like stole his car in the cash and like just things like that. So he was always like comedically losing tons of money. And I was like, this, <laughs> Come on, man! Like, just it's be better. I'm mad be that you won, but like, put it don't, in the bank, right? Or invest. I don't know. Do something. Why be, would, best. be best? Be best. Uh, not yeah, even. Not even better. Just shoot for the aim for the go. stars. Be best. But if you're anyway, there's lots of things wrong with that story. We'll, we'll cover that another time. <laughs> Back to the open. Uh, next up, so <laughs> there was there was a there was a, a I don't know if you would call it a kerfuffle. There was a, a spat, maybe mm. a discussion. 
uh, on the Twitter on today. The on today. the On the Twitter. So there is a an article here from Nondoc that says um, those who took part in a hashtag poll on potential hashtag Maps Four projects <laughs> largely do not want big ticket infrastructure projects for the next round of hashtag OKC investments. So this is a poll that was uh, commissioned by former City Council member Ed Shadid. Uh, it was done by Bill Shepard and the folks over at Sooner Poll, which is a well-known reputable pol- pol- polling organization here in the state that polled a pool of likely voters asking how they would want to see any potential monies from a maps for project spent. And this largely focuses on the, the key issue here is do you want the money to go to large capital projects like maps has done in the past? So building arenas and streetcars and things of that nature, or do you think that the money should go to maintenance and operations of existing city infrastructure? It's kind of the core issue, right? Like, yeah, maps for neighborhoods and sidewalks and that kind of stuff, etc. Which is yeah. more how the maps protected bike lane started, right? Like with pr- maps for schools, and yeah, for kids. Well, maps for kids was the second one. So maps, the first maps was Bricktown, right? And then the second yeah. maps was maps. Oh, right. was, it was it was, for uh, kids. it was it was the Riverwalk, wasn't it? Yeah, that's maps right. First, yeah. Yeah. First, yeah. Well, yeah. So um, there was uh, a discussion about whether or not this poll was done in the most rigorous way possible. Um, well, Steve Lackmeyer really fired off a shot across the bow. Yes, yes, first. indeed. And like you, everyone got their haunches up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can go you can go find it's all public, right? You can go find the discussion on Twitter. The poll. I so I will say I have not read the poll in its entirety. It's seventy pages, but I have read the uh, I have read the sampling and the the sampling and the questions. And it's it is interesting to me. And I'm not a statistician, right? But um, you know, we 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 talk about polls and data a lot because we're good both, use of polling we're or bad super, use of polling uh, nerds TM What's it's, the, it's not trademarked not trademarked that's no? just what 538 does All right. we can co-opt it for our purposes <laughs> so, for our seven um, listeners the question, so Steve, uh, who is, you, you may or may not know, writes largely about Oklahoma City issues for the Oklahoman, he kind of asked the question, like, was was the poll done as rigorously it could be, or like, were the questions framed appropriately? He felt like the pollster's personal views color all of his polls, and, and several people came to his defense, to Shepard's defense, saying he separates his politics from his polling. Yeah, and I I don't know Bill Shepard, and I don't know what his politics are. Um, I, you know, I don't know him like personally, and so I can't comment on that. I will say, I did find I like for me reading the poll. Yes, I felt like some of the questions were, and maybe like maybe leading is not maybe leading is not the right word. Like one of there's one of the I was just kind of like like scrolling back through the poll, and one of the questions. This is the fifth question. It says currently. Currently, Oklahoma is the only state in the U.S. in which cities are not allowed to use property tax for its general fund, which makes the city particularly dependent on sales tax to fund city operations like police, fire, parks, transit, and code enforcement. And then the question is, knowing this, do you support or oppose decreasing the size of maps from a full penny in order to spend a portion of the penny on the operations of city departments? And so I guess the question that I would have, and I am... I have not made like an academic study of how you do these kind of polls, but is it like, is it appropriate to like kind of try and educate the population that you're polling before you ask the question, right? Mm -hmm. Like to me, what this is saying is like, just so you know, Oklahoma is an outlier in this thing that it does. Mm -hmm. 
So knowing that they're an outlier, do you think they should do it differently? I, As opposed to just asking the question, this is what Oklahoma does. Do you think that's good or do you think that's bad? I, I'm going to respond real quick and then I want um, Senator Hicks to chime in because she actually got pulled on this. Did. And so I want to hear what, what a polling, not victim, respondent. 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 <laughs> respondent. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, I say, yes, that's totally appropriate to ask it that way because you want an informed opinion, right? And if you're just asking people willy-nilly, they're going to give you an answer, but it doesn't mean that they really have the context to answer um, as as um, correctly, as fully informed as they could. So you get a less, a lower quality response. Counterpoint. I don't care what you think, but please share. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically, currently, currently, Michael Pence and Pete Buttigieg are running for president of the United States. Mike Pence has previously served as vice president of the United States. Pete Buttigieg has been mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Knowing this, who do you think is more qualified to be president of the United States? Well, that so that presents some information. First of all, that is a fictitious situation at this juncture, um, <laughs> it, and it's hyperbolic. But like, right. do you see the issue, right? Like, well, yes, but that only paints that like gives one tidbit of the information, and, and this only gives one tidbit. Of yes, but I think this one tidbit is more descriptive of the situation than that. In your example. I mean, maybe, but I, I think the point. That, it's I think not well taken. Because <laughs> I, I, I think that there are people, and again, I'm I am not take I'm not like chastising the poll, and I'm not taking up for the poll. I'm just saying, like, I think that's a reasonable question to ask because you could make the counterpoint. Yeah, so Oklahoma is the only state that does it this way. To me, that begs the question: Why not? Should we do it differently? But why do we do it the way we well, you're, do it? You're analytical in a different way, Scott. <laughs> Senator Hicks, I'm special. I How did, did you feel while you were being polled? I completely missed um, all. <laughs> of, <laughs> I guess the like the aspect. premise, <laughs> yeah. And maybe it was just because I mean it was information that I I already knew, um, and I mean obviously it was relevant. I felt like to the questions that they were asking, um, you know, they asked multiple times, you know, if I if this changed my perspective about how I would vote or if I would be more likely to vote for the Mountains 4 Project. And I mean, I'm sure I, I don't recall the exact um, votes, so to speak, on the poll. But I mean, ultimately, I think what you would see is it didn't didn't dissuade me, didn't change my opinion. But ultimately, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of investing in our communities because I know how costly things are. Um and, you know, I guess my big takeaway from the poll was, um, you know, I was actually very excited to hear more of a conversation around investing in mental health services um, and really investing in our people as a city um, and making sure that, you know, as you alluded to earlier, walkability, um, that, you know, we're really looking at some of the fundamental issues that we have. I mean, obviously, we, we know that we um, are high on the obesity rate. And so is that directly reflective of the fact that we're not a walking city? Probably. Um, so, you know, I think my takeaway from the poll was not necessarily that I felt like I was being led down a trail. It was probably one that I would already walk anyways. Um, but it was information that I that I felt like was relevant to the questions that they were asking. Sure. I think that's totally fair. And I mean, and I, I for the, like for the record, I agree with you. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I, I think that like, yeah, to, I mean, like for me, as I think about like maps and like if we approve a maps for like, what would I like to, I'd love to, again, like walkability and protected bike lanes and investing in infrastructure. Like, I don't know that like, I don't really see a need for us to have like a giant new stadium. You know what I mean? Like, 
I would love it if we changed some things about the streetcar, to be honest, but I don't know that there's going to be enough money in the maps for to to do that, and I don't know that it should be the highest priority like right now. So on like unlike the merits, I 100% ag- agree. I just thought it was an interesting like just kind of you know what I mean? Like just an interesting like I would just be, I would be curious to know like from like a like you want a, an academic. I did not say that. <laughs> I very I didn't because Keith Getty did weigh in. <laughs> he he did, and now did he ever did he ever comment on like this poll specifically? I know he he, he vouched for Bill Shepard's no, like, he, integrity as a person. I think like, he got he got tagged in the tweet thread and was like, "What am I exact? What fight am I being brought to right, right now? Right, <laughs> give me give me what's what's up? Give me someone hand me an axe. What's what's happening? Yeah, um, but because we fight with axes these days, right?" <laughs> But anyway, so more humane. check out the article on Nondoc, but even more importantly, <laughs> read the poll and see what you think. And if you really want to get into this, get on Twitter and uh, yeah. Except for those of you who don't live in Oklahoma City, although well, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd love to hear. I don't know what Tulsans think about our maps deal. They don't have a maps equivalent up there, do they? Uh, not that I know of, no. We need to get Dewey Bartlett, or not Dewey Bartlett. Well, that'd be cool too, but GT Bynum, we need to get the yeah. mayor up there on sure. the the old mayor the new mayor anybody <laughs> future mayor that'd be great too um, uh, let's move on pressing onward uh, our last not even story but uh, as uh, as I speak it is 9.03pm on uh, Thursday May 30th and our last headline tonight is signy dead we have T minus 20 hours until session God bless us everyone is officially <laughs> over uh, so uh, the legislature adjourned last week. Governor Stitt has now acted upon all the bills that were at his desk. Yep. He has either signed them or vetoed them or let them become law without his signature, as is his purview. So barring something cataclysmic, the legislature will sign and die tomorrow at 5 p.m. Indeed. Senator Hicks, how do you feel about that? <laughs> You know, I was ready to go back in um, this week. You know, I, I, I just thought I found it so fascinating that, you know, ultimately we um, adjourned at, you know, a week out right. from our actual signy die dead, deadline. Um, and so, I mean, I think we've all just kind of been glued to our email this week on seeing what the governor was vetoing and if that was going to necessitate a you know, a day of session at the Capitol. And, um, you know, there were a couple of bills this week that I don't really understand. Um, the ballot selfies, <laughs> right? Didn't they pass? He signed the law. You can take ballot selfies now. I did not. I did not know that. Uh, I was yes. more yes, concerned with the vetoes. Apparently it was yes. illegal to take a selfie so with your ballot. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that. So, uh, but I was that's listening legal, to, uh, but current HIV curriculum. What? We don't want that. So, so this, I was going to, that's, that's, that is the question. That's the question I had. Like, so, uh, I was listening to another, an, another local political podcast Look earlier this week. Look at you go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, doing, uh, doing, doing my homework. Right. Um, and they, they brought up the fact that there was this, the bill on HIV education that's been in the works for several years. Republican sponsors uh, and bill authors in both the House and the Senate passed with uh, overwhelming bipartisan majorities in both houses and the governor vetoed it. Um, was there ever any like serious discussion about trying to override his veto on the floor? I will say yes and no. I mean, as it relates to um, specific policy, no. Um, but that's definitely why we left a week um, for the actual deadline, you know, um, with the date pending. Because so you could come back and override a veto on something that you wanted to. But Absolutely. Not, not about but, that but bill. This specific yeah. bill. There yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Sure. He So the governor issued some vetoes. He did a line item veto as well. Do you know what that line was? 
because I have since forgotten, Scott, either one of you. Well, there there was a, a line item veto on the budget. Is that what you're yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, um, it, It's related to DHS's budget. Oh, man. Of all yeah. the budgets. Um, <laughs> the one that we've had, like, Federal Department of Justice intervention. That's the one we should <laughs> definitely cut. In my opinion, that seems like maybe a poor use of the of the line item veto. It was a DHS budget limit bill. Okay. Yeah. There we go. They're both Googling feverishly. I should have I should have researched this before I asked the question. Put you on the spot. I apologize. <laughs> no, um, I mean I think obviously I'm new um, in my capacity, but um, I think I guess people who have been there um, for the previous governor have basically all you know had this kind of same reaction in that there's not been open lines of communication or what they felt like is transparency around the veto process. Um, you know, I mean, I, I joined the veto club a couple weeks ago right? Yeah. Um, on, on a bill that, um, was bipartisan and, and had bipartisan support in both, um, chambers. And so my house author, um, is a Republican from my hometown and we worked together on this particular piece of legislation that related to education and, um, it was vetoed. And I mean, obviously neither one of us had any prior warning that, you know, there were any concerns with this particular measure. And so I think that's new. Um, and so I think everyone just kind of trying to figure out you know how the the process is supposed to work and, mm-hmm. and if this is the way you know the process will be moving forward but I mean, it's really kind of frustrating to have worked on something for you know months and and for right. some authors years and then you know to have you know one person basically right reject the measure I think that's um I mean it's just frustrating but you know beyond that it just begs the question of how are these decisions being made and are there conversations that are being developed around those particular um you know measures right do you do you know why it was vetoed I don't so there wasn't did he not give a message because like for HIV he gave us a message right right Right, there he was a statement it yeah. wasn't in um an email um that I mean basically there were many bills that were listed and, uh, and there was one of them yeah. see that's i will say and i think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the hiv bill um and and i work in the hiv world and i'm president of the board for the um, oklahoma aids care fund who's one of the organizations kind of pushing this i'm also on the board for generation citizen which this bill was born out of so like tag teaming this um we he sent a a a like veto memo about why he was vetoing it and we got some solace out of that i think because it helped understand like i think yeah we talked about this where in some ways i think he was basically trying to empower and require the department of health and department of education to go ahead and update the curriculum and the perception that we've had is that they didn't feel like they could do that and so in his veto message we were like oh okay well this is maybe not entirely bad um, yeah, but, but to the, hear that you didn't the, get that. Yeah. And the current language on that particular statute, I mean, it's, it's outdated. 1987. And, and it's very offensive. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this particular measure was repealing all of that outdated language right, and just updating, updating it, yep. the statute. So, I mean, again, I don't necessarily know that there have been open conversations and dialogue around why the specific policies that we are putting forth are necessary. Right. Um, but, I mean, it is it is concerning. Mm-hmm. I mean, being, you know, a senator and still not having clarity in kind of how those processes are happening um, you know, I feel, feel very much left outside of that inner circle. And, um, you know, I mean, that's, I, I just feel like it, sure. it, it, it warrants a, a deeper discussion. Do you th- and I think that's unfortunate because this, uh, he is 
been so clear about he's transparent mm-hmm. and that's been a big message and I know I mean I know that there was a the massive volume right of legislation and mm-hmm. even just trying to keep up with the daily work that you know we were tasked to and obviously I mean he's he's seeing the finalized product of all of that hard work and effort um, so I mean I understand I'm not trying to, to give an easy way out but I, I just also feel like you know when so many people have been involved um, making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and, and that we really feel like we're putting forth good measures um, to bring our state to that top 10 goal that he laid out for us. You know, I just, I just feel like there, there has to be um, more discussion and more dialogue around, you know, I mean, yes, that is the third branch. You know, it, it's right. all checks and balance. I get that. And we all work in tandem. Um, but, I mean, the legislative powers are given to, to the House and to the Senate. Right. So, and part of our, our plan for this episode is to talk with you a little bit about just your experience. We'll talk with Kaki about some of the stuff she's involved with, and then we'll talk about the film maybe at the end. So Great. we're already in it. We'll just keep going. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so, um, so and next, we're back. That's right, yeah. No, no, mus- next. no musical interlude this time. <laughs> Hashtag next segment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, can, we have music uh, interludes, but that's <laughs> we're already in it. So here we go. Um, so Carrie, do you, um, do you think like some of that is that the governor is also new and trying to figure out as someone who has not been involved in government, like this is a new world to him. Um, and do you think that'll be different next year? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's my hope is that, I mean, everybody's kind of in this transitional space right now. And, um, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think it keeps fresh eyes and fresh perspectives on a lot of, um, you know, what could be kind of outdated practices. Um, you know, but I, I also know that, I mean, on his transition team and even on his cabinet, you know, I mean, he has people that are well seasoned, um, in his inner circle. And so, you know, I just, I I think it has to be a balance and, you know, I'm not, not being critical by any means. I mean, everybody is entitled to, you know, run their business as they want to. And I mean, he's obviously, you know, built this brand on you know being a a, a well-seasoned businessman and so you know if this is the new direction that the state is heading I just I just hope that um, we're all open and receptive to you know fine-tuning and and doing our jobs as best as we possibly can so I'll I'll be critical (laughs) 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 like with regard like like talking about like the HIV bill the HIV education bill specifically you know talk I mean I've I've talked with some legislators about this and like the words that the, the words that were used to me is like, this is this is an example of like the governor not knowing what he doesn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because he did Andy, and we talked about this, like he issued that kind of like signing statement for lack of a better word, like explaining, like we don't need legislation to do this because the health department and the education department are already empowered to do this. But the health department has been asking the education department like to do this for years mm-hmm. and they haven't, done it like that's the whole like that's the whole reason like the reason that this bill came to fruition at least in part right is to make them do the thing that they have the power to do and haven't done and so it's like if you know if if you'd been involved in that process and like talked to people about the background and like met with the bill sponsors and you know what i mean kind of gone gone through this you would see oh okay yeah 
it's not that, it's not that like we need new law to give these agencies the power to do it. We need new law to direct them to do what they are. So I'm going to I'm going to take this one to the the bill that that I co-authored or was the Senate author on that was actually vetoed um, related to education. And I mean, that was kind of the the critique, I guess, amongst my colleagues was that um, this particular piece of legislation was um, allowing for some more flexibility in um, giving kids excused absences. Um, And so it was really born out of kind of a rural environment in that um, kids who are on in very small communities who play football and they play baseball and they wrestle. I mean, they do all the sports and athletics by the time that um, spring rolls around. And they're also involved in ag where they're, I mean, literally making money off of taking their animals to sell um, that they aren't being allowed that opportunity um, because they're already at their maximum amount, amount of excused absences from the schools. And so, I mean, this measure was ultimately, I mean, again, born out of that rural kind of mindset. But, you know, as as being someone who lives in an urban setting and has taught in Deer Creek most recently, we have a lot of kids that are involved on robotics teams. And getting that specific absence approved by the local schools can sometimes be difficult if it's not a school-sponsored activity. And so I really see this as allowing school districts to have more flexibility in making sure that, um, you know, learning doesn't stop when we leave the classroom. Um, There are really incredible opportunities that happen outside of the classroom every single day, and we should be celebrating the fact that our kids want to take part in robotics and STEM competitions. Um, And so this piece of legislation was... And raise pigs and cattle. (laughs) All of it. All of it. it. Right, in tandem. And so, um, you know, I mean, I think the question was, well, can't school districts already do this? And the answer was definitely sure, but they're not. And so how do we balance what we know our constituencies are facing in trying to achieve this particular goal um, legislatively, but also, you know, proactively in our communities with our local school boards and talking about these particular issues. Um, And so, I mean, my house author was really disappointed because he had put a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into this particular piece of legislation, and it's definitely relevant in his community. Um, and so, you know, I mean, we're not defeated. Um, ultimately, it's just a setback. And hopefully, I mean, the message there is that, you know, if we want our local schools to be allowing our kids to have these enriched opportunities outside of the classrooms, then we really need to be advocating for them at that local school district level. No, I think that, I mean, you're yes preach right like I, I think that's like it's frustrating to me as just someone who like watches from the outside and tries to like advocate and so I can't imagine as, as someone who you know is is authoring these bills I don't think people who are not either involved in the process or who don't follow the process really closely I don't know that sometimes we understand how much work it takes to get these things across the line and that there are bills that like there are there are bills that were introduced this session and never got out of like the rules committee right that may that may get signed into law four or six years from now and the process of them like the process of those bills becoming law takes that amount of time it takes years of coalition building and like right. refining language and like building relationships and building stuff like it to, and to just like have all of that just go you know 
poof, like it's it's gone for like no reason that would uh, I would probably be. So let's talk about a good success heavily. that happened this <laughs> session though, because I did have I did have one bill that went the distance, and as a freshman minority caucus member, that's a big deal. It's kind of exciting. It's right. a big deal. Yeah. So Senate Bill 1019 is a particular piece of legislation that provides for emergency access for life-saving medicines. All right. And um, my son has type 1 diabetes, so this is definitely near and dear to our family. Um, an individual um, named Kevin lost his life in Ohio because his prescription had run out. He was also type 1 um, and couldn't get a renewal on his insulin over the New Year's holiday weekend. And so... Um, ultimately went into severe um, diabetic ketoacidosis and lost his life. Mm. Um, and so this particular piece of legislation um, is is modeled after um, a measure that they passed in Ohio. Um, and I'm just excited that we were able to kind of um, tweak this to make it relevant to Oklahoma and that, I mean, it's obviously exclusionary of any kind of narcotics, um, but there is a formulary board um, of physicians, uh, of um, pharmacists that will decide, you know, what um, drugs, because, you know, being the forward thinker that I am, I'm like, I'm not putting a list of medicines into statute because I'm not a pharmacist right, and no. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm a consumer and I want people, I want this to, to be a, a breathing um, living document right. so that as we have more science and we have more information available, um, it maintains its relevancy to really treat the need of individuals who manage a chronic illness on a day-to-day -day basis. I think, um, well, and let me ask two things. Um, one, I want to ask about first about, um, diabetes and, and how you've been watching the developments, uh, over in Colorado, right? Cause that's, I imagine has potential impl implications for our state. Yeah. Um, so if you respond to that and then come back, cause I have a question about, or a comment perhaps about, putting things into statute that's unrelated. So, sure. so you've been watching Colorado. I have. Um, and I mean, even more, I guess, broadly, um, I've been watching the congressional hearings um, on the insulin companies. And so um, Linkford actually came and addressed our um, Democratic caucus in the Senate this session, which was fantastic. And so I had some kind of you know, one-on-one -on -one time to mm -hmm. just pick his brain about the insulin um, hearings that are happening on Capitol Hill. Um, and he basically kind of indicated that, you know, it's kind of a, a layer and, and unfortunately it takes a lot of time to build the case around this particular measure. And so um, the, the, the background here is that insulin has, the, the cost of insulin has risen 1200% um, since the time the patent was sold for $1 um, by an individual who, I mean, developed the drug right. that um, he always wanted it to be affordable and readily available for life-saving conditions. And here we are. Um, so it's tripled in the time that my son has been diagnosed. So our cost out of pocket to purchase insulin just to keep our four-year-old son alive has tripled in the last two years of his diagnosis. And that's after insurance. Correct. Like, yeah. Correct. And so, I mean, it's just... It, it's, I mean, literally out of control. Um, and so in the first congressional hearing, I just, I felt very frustrated. It felt like it was, you know, just a showboat. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Um, and so um, Senator Lankford basically explained, you know, they're, they're going to call in. I mean, it's, it's kind of like being in the classroom. You call everybody in one by one, right. you know, and you, you build the background, you know, you build the story and you try and figure out. And, you know, inevitably you call the manufacturers in and they're going to, you know, point to the pharmacies and you call the pharmacies in and they're going to point to, you know, the drug companies. Mm -hmm. You call the drug, you know, everybody's pointing fingers everywhere. So, you know, who's really, you know, who's really responsible? And I think this is what every consumer is asking in that, 
you know, I, I, I just know what it costs to keep my son alive and I'm frustrated by the cost and whoever's responsible needs to fess up and we need to get this under control. So what happened in Colorado is that they put a, um, a cap ultimately on, um, filling prescriptions, um, at a hundred dollars, um, which I mean, is still, still high, a lot of right, money. Right. it's still a lot of money. And so, um, I mean, it, it's something, um, but what we've seen out of the congressional hearings is that, um, two of the manufacturers who there's only three, um, which is part of the problem is and there are no generics available uh, of insulin okay. whatsoever. Um, and so insurance companies have even gotten really smart at that. They will only pay for generic Mm-hmm. medicines and so um i'm in like a a play group support group of parents and so two of my friends now um who have similar insurance plans can't they they have no coverage whatsoever because there's no generic drug available for insulin and so they literally have to pay list price every single time they That's go to refill bananas. their kids i know it's Anyways, I mean, again, especially because insulin's been around for decades. Like this isn't a brand new fancy right thing, right? Um, and so, I mean, I, I'm encouraged by what's happening in Colorado. I'm encouraged by what's happening on Capitol Hill in that two of those manufacturers have already basically cut their price in half. Um, the the newest information um, is at $120 um, per vial. Um, but what is important to keep in mind. Um, we pay basically $300 per vial of insulin in America and bringing it down to $140, I guess, um, is still $120 above what the rest of the world pays in that most other countries pay $20 per vial. So we're subsidizing the cost of the world's market. Right. And like the cutting it, like cutting it in half. I mean, that's on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand though, that also like almost like pisses you off even more. Cause it's like, Oh, like, Also, you you can do that. You've just been getting rich off of the disease that my child was born with. And even we had that conversation with HIV meds where Kaletra, which has been around for a long time, and it's not quite generic, but it was what Magic Johnson was on when it first came out and all that stuff. Um, Here in the U.S., it's $600 or something a month. And like in Kenya, it's $8. And I was like, uh, hang on. (laughs) And I get that, that... on the whole, Americans have more money than Kenyans, probably, right? But, like, that's a big difference and yeah. and, and not okay. So, um, thank you for responding to that. Well, sure. And, I mean, it just, I think it, it also just kind of brings to light the question of, like, how much is too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you could cut your list price in half and not even bat an eye, I mean, what, I mean, why, why are we, why it is healthcare treated like a, a capitalist commodity. Right. I mean, when right. I mean, we know that individuals who have factors outside of their control um, are are literally. I mean, their entire life savings, their entire life earnings, will be just invested in keeping themselves alive. I just. It's crazy. I think we can do better. Yeah. Than that, as Americans, I think we can do better that than that in Oklahoma. Um, and so, I mean, I'm I'm working with Representative Bennett. We actually introduced that piece of legislation um, that Colorado just passed. Ah. Um, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> There's always next year. <laughs> but it's still, yeah. It's I mean, it's been introduced, and um, so hopefully we can 
now start to track what's happening in Colorado. They've done a lot of really great things with transparency. Um, and so I have some really good working relationships with um, state representatives and state senators that are serving inside of Colorado that I um, just find very uplifting um, because they are you know, miles ahead of where um, I feel like we should be. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also optimistic because I hope that we can follow in their path. Sure. Right on. So I think maybe we want to shift gears a little bit to yeah. education. Well, yes. almost. First, I want to talk to Kaki a little bit um, about, do you want to do activism and Moms Demand Action first, or do you want to do movie first? I'll let you choose. <laughs> I don't care. We can do either. We can do either one. Well, that's where I was, was going well, was education was because that was the... That's right. Fine. Well, it's, it's my fine. documentary. It's but a little bit of both. That's what it's about. See, but I actually, I, I do want to say, because I was in the committee hearing when um, Senator Hicks proposed that there would be additional training for teachers, free. Oh, yes. Completely free epilepsy training to learn how to deal with a child that was having a seizure, and it was shot down. Yeah, I will died. always remember that. Yeah. That it, it was tied 7-7, um, but it, I mean, it's... I don't know. I, no, I will I've heard always it said remember that. that common sense legislation is the hardest mm-hmm. kind of legislation mm-hmm. to pass because people assume that it's already happening. Um, but obviously, if you're proposing a legislative change, right. it's not. But that does not apply to this because people asked you specifically, how much will it cost? And you were very clear, zero, zero dollars. It will cost nothing. Anyways, it should have passed. I hope it'll pass next session. Yeah. We'll work on it. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, that's a good segue then. Kaki, you spent <laughs> you spent more time at the Capitol this year than you have in the, the past. Quite a bit. Right? But th- yes. that's been a big shift for you. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that Let's Fix This cares about is getting people involved. And I'm, I don't want to take all the credit, but I feel like we had an influence <laughs> <laughs> on that happening she for you. That's what he says when he wants to take all the credit. senator. Not all. So right. That's true. That's true. Yes. Actually, I am very well represented right now, which is... Fantastic. Yeah. Kaki's my constituent, just for full disclosure. Right Mm -hmm. on. This is advocacy in action right here. (laughs) Um, Holding her accountable. So so you have been involved with um, Moms Demand Action. Yes, Among other things this year. Tell us a little bit about what your experience has been like being involved this year at the Capitol. And and how often did you go? What was your experience like overall? Did it meet your expectations? So, okay, so I really got involved with the Moms Demand Action after Parkland, right? I mean, because, um, and and the fact that Florida has loosened restrictions on um, guns is shocking to me Mm -hmm. and very, very upsetting. Um, Because to me, those those students have really led a huge groundswell of um, activism against, uh, yeah, Firearms, right? Right. Right. So um, I am a Moms Demand Action volunteer. Um, and I, uh, so in particular this year, there was the permitless carry. So I was there a lot for that. Uh, and the, I'm. And that was early on in session, too. Very, like that the was first the two first weeks, bill right? yeah. he signed. Yeah. Yes. Which is what I will always think about. <laughs> Our dear governor. Uh, but then there was another bill that did sort of die, which was to loosen restrictions of carrying guns in schools. Because, mm. um, you know, according to state law, uh, employees can already carry guns, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to have the cleat training. And it was going to slash that to only eight hours. And that was, um, Kim David kept saying over and over and over about how horrible the training was. It was worthless, so worthless. And so that's what, that worthless training was what we were going to have teachers go through, which 
that's that's unacceptable right yeah well that's also the training that like law enforcement officers go through no it's much much more yeah the Um, cleat training is what law enforcement goes through which is the current statute in that anyone the, the local school board can allow or authorize any individuals to carry with the cleat training. But this right. particular measure um, that she's saying is uh, Senator David was talking about how the um, license to, ah, to oh open right. carry yeah, or yeah, conceal that, and carry that training. that that training was not necessarily right. up to par. Um, and so instead of, you know, increasing the rigor on that particular training, um, we, just get away with it. it. Right. Um, but the, well, you that's don't need to mandate <laughs> training, Senator, because anybody who is a responsible listen, gun owner I, is going to get the I training am anyway. A responsible gun owner. And I do enjoy guns. I mean, I, I, I am. Um, but I think what's really frustrating in that light is that I am a responsible gun owner <laughs> who is licensed and trained for my weapon. And so is my husband. And, and so to, to think that the answer to our current situation is to have less responsible gun owners is in my personal opinion, the absolute opposite direction of, of right. what I would see as completely nonsensical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how often did you go to the Capitol this year? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> you can come check my yearbook. She's hanged in every time. <laughs> Like I did. I'd wander the halls and sign books. I was here. Thank you for supporting. Right. Yeah. Well, I felt like I would either see you up there or get a text from you, like looking for someone's office or something. That's and, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but that was a big shift for you, right? Because yes, in for sure. years past, you might have been on occasion, but not on a regular basis. That's correct. Um, and so this year, certainly the Capitol has been, was a different vibe, I think, than in my experience, which is somewhat limited, but the last few years. Um, it was certainly a, a different vibe up there. Even uh, when we were there for Child Advocacy Day um, earlier this month, you know, early the I was there setting up, and like the governor was out there talking to people, and and you almost never saw Governor Fallon just in the right. rotunda hanging out. And he came out and he's like, "Oh, hey!" and was talking to Jennifer Moneys, who he was he had nominated for the Board of Education, and and kind of all that. That's a whole other topic for you, <laughs> Carrie. Um, and uh, and um, but it was just like one of those things where I was like, "Well, this is." This is different, and you could, I think, from talking to legislators that had been there for you know even two years, were like, no, it's all, it's all different, good and bad, right, in different ways. And so, um, for 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 you, for someone who hadn't been there that much, um, what, I don't know how to ask, but like, what was the vibe or the general sentiment that you felt when you were up there this year, in general? Uh. Well, okay, so something that you guys said on your podcast is that you had, I feel like oh maybe... God. This is accountability and transparency we, we, and action. We, we said something? Yeah, oh. not to bring it home to this building, but um, it was like, you know, because it was it was a huge freshman class, right? Like, it was a right. turnover. It was a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fresh eyes, if mm-hmm. you will. But it also seemed to be going back to those hot topics of guns and abortion i will say reproductive health okay. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> did we talk about that the did first, we did we talk about that we did like the first yeah. the first two weeks that was we got that uh it was it was funny that we were like everything's different except for all the laws <laughs> <laughs> and so everything is so much more moderate except the votes well and the, the thing that was really different was new people and that we weren't having to cut budgets this, this year but correct everything well, else was yeah. fairly typical and <laughs> you don't have to cut budgets when you have plenty of money right right well 
But I think that that's Between been um, a feather in a cap of our new governor is that he had this great budget, but he had more money. Right. Yeah, he yeah. came in at a good time. He came in at a good time. He, well, and I mean, he's been on the record as basically saying that he would have vetoed 1010XX, yeah. which is, I mean, completely how and why we have any surplus <laughs> right. whatsoever. So I just, I mean, it's it's important that we continue to, to make it about the issues in that, I mean, if, you know, if it, if it weren't for 1010XX, we would not be in this financial state you know, right now. And what's funny is that, so let's say, to rewind, um, if last year Governor Fallon had vetoed 1010XX, it takes a lower threshold to override a veto than it does to pass the bill in the first place, right? It takes a three-quarters to pass the revenue thing, but only two-thirds to That's correct. undo the revenue. That's funny. Uh, or undo the veto. And so they passed it once. They could have un- they could have overridden the veto with less votes than it took to pass the bill in the first place, which I guess is reason to not veto something. However, that's really interesting because I, I wonder if that would have gone to. Uh, that's interesting. Dun, dun, dun. So Andy has a good idea. Um, and so or observation. No, but those are both constitutional provisions, right? Yes. So then it would have gone to the Supreme Court, I would guess. Right. To say no, it's like separate things. Right. But then they would say, but then you could challenge it and say, no, you need 75 to like that's. Oh, that's real. That's really interesting. I, I think they would have just. It, well, they might not have overridden the veto then because that's a statement. But um, but let's say that happened. She vetoed it, and it didn't get overridden, and it didn't get passed. We didn't get a teacher pay raise. We um, didn't raise taxes and all these things. Governor Stitt would have come in in a very different spot. It would very have been different. A, it would have been a whole different well, conversation. Well, Governor Stitt might not have come in. That's possible. Right? Like if all that happens. But unlikely. I don't know. I mean, I think I think they would have still would have seen him as fresh eyes and a different person as opposed to Drew Edmondson who was a known I mean maybe I'm just I'm just saying I I think if she vetoes 1010XX and then like we're still in this quagmire of a budget last year I don't think we can predict with any kind of certainty what the outcome of the election would have been. Maybe well, it we can't predict that's why we're discussing it. Right but what I'm saying <laughs> like, hypothetical. Right but I'm saying like I, I mean I just Anyway, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Let's just Which, be happy that it passed right. and was signed. Okay. And hey, who's a who's a teacher? <laughs> Let's all put our happy face on. <laughs> what you know? I mean, I think I think you know it really did. I mean, it set the tone yeah. um, for this new administration. It set the tone for I mean the largest freshman class that we've ever had in yeah. the history of our state for sure. And so I mean I I mean I think that that in and of itself though is also telling in that I mean most of us who are are serving in this new class don't remember a time where we were slashing mm-hmm. budgets just to keep things mm. level and right. equal. Right. So no, that's, that's interesting. I do also love that you displayed the role of every teacher that I've ever had. <laughs> of, uh, okay, Scott, totally. that's an interesting question, but oh. it's time to move on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. And on that note, <laughs> always a teacher, even if I'm a Senator yeah, now, I love it. I love that's it. Funny. Can't abandon it. Sorry. Well, that's, that's a good, that's a good, uh, point of transition as well so, oh, so so now we can talk about education yeah we can't go for it <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna let's talk about a movie a yeah we, we, we've got a we've got a, a world premiere happening yeah, we uh, do. next week um khaki tell us about the movie it is called faces of the 47th the art of activism it premieres on thursday june 6th at harkins it's part of the dead center film festival and i love 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 dead center i was the previous executive director before lance I'm a film icon. I mean, kind of a badass. Khaki has an IMDb page. (laughs) Yes, I do. 
I've seen that. I don't have an IMDb page. Hashtag goals. Right, yeah, something. Want to be in something. The let's yes. fix this film. Let's film this. Ooh, make it happen. I'll, I'll pass <laughs> your name along to Spencer Hicks. There we go. <laughs> does he have an IMDb? <laughs> yes, he does. He's been in films. Oh, he, I've been to his premiere. Yeah, he had a premiere two yes. years ago. Yes. Um, they, he acted opposite of Lance McDaniel in, oh. um, in a, I, I felt like it was a great film. It was. It was very, very funny. Yeah. Um, Dang. Anyways. I'm yes. left out. All right. Well, Spencer's so, so Faces of the 47th. Yes. What's my, it about? My film. <laughs> back, let's go back to me. Yes. What's the movie about? Uh, so it is It is a documentary feature. And in particular, it was. it is the ripple effect, really, of the teacher walkout from last year. Um, a friend of mine, Sarah Agee, who was a mom. She's a mom in Norman. She has three kids in the public school system. She, after the teacher walked out, wanted to do something else. And so she was aware of a global art project called the Inside Out Project. She contacted them just, you know, to say, I want to do something to keep the conversation going. And they said, yes, this is a perfect fit. And so um, what her idea was is she took um, portraits of 47 public school kids. And that is was to represent how we are 47th in the nation for overall funding for public education and the the portraits were um, installed in Norman, Oklahoma City, Winoka, and Paul's Valley. And it was really just to keep the conversation going. It was to encourage people to vote pro-education, um, to keep politicians accountable, and also to encourage people to vote. And um, I think it was, I like to think it was very effective because it was one of the highest uh, voter turnouts of, midta- of midterms midtowns all that and also all of it all of it <laughs> but highest voter turnout for mid uh, mid term there mm-hmm. midterm elections mm-hmm. in 22 years we also can call it the the tweener tweener election nobody calls it that i don't i've never heard of that That's it's the tweener election inappropriate <laughs> Did people you just say make it. that up no people say it it's Did in between I? it's a tweener no between no, presidential no. elections it's a hard mm. no <laughs> Veto from the senator. Yeah, so. the, the, Sorry, Scott. the senator your point, said you said yeah, you made that your, up. Your point is not well taken. <laughs> oh yes, you're not the first time I've gotten sad trombone. <laughs> Won't be the last. Oh man, um, that's super exciting. So uh, my wife and I are going to Dead Center this year, as I mentioned earlier, and fantastic. And I said I think we got it because it's showing on Thursday and then on. Saturday Sun- Sunday? Sunday at 11.15 okay. at Harkins. Yes. And so I was like, I think we got to go on Thursday um, because I want to be there for the, opening night. for the opening night. Right. Yeah. That's yes. a big, it is big a deal. Big deal. Um, very exciting. Is there anyone we know in that film? Well, yes. Right across over here. <laughs> uh, Sandra Carrie Hicks is in it. Hey. Look, yes. Are you going to have an IMDb page? You're just trying to keep up with Spencer now. Oh, right? yeah. You know what? I need I to do. put an IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> you, you will I be need on to there. keep up. That's I right. Uh, but it, that's, I mean, it's, it's actually very exciting because she was. When we filmed it, she was a candidate. Right. Was campaigning. And, yes. And it had rained that morning. So when she contacted me to come to the installation, <laughs> I was wearing a raincoat. That's right. Um, probably, I, I mean, I haven't seen the film yet, but I will it's be fantastic. Very, very critical, I'm sure. No, of. you look fantastic. <laughs> um, but so, no, I mean, it was it was exciting, obviously, to, to be in the middle of the campaign. And I mean, I was out door knocking and had a volunteer that was driving me. Um, and so we came and were interviewed for the documentary and um, got to see the art installation. And I mean, obviously what I know of public schools in Oklahoma are that in spite of a lack of funding and in spite of resources, um, our kids continue um, 
to be, I mean, to me, our, our greatest asset moving forward. And so to make the dollars follow where our dedication should be um, as a mom and now as a state senator, um, I hope to continue um, the conversation, as Kaki has mentioned, and making sure that we continue to hold one another accountable because it really is an investment for the future. What do we want for our, our future generations in the state of Oklahoma? I want a well-educated populist who is you know, able-bodied and ready to go to work in whatever capacity they desire. Yeah, excellent. Go ahead. I, mean, I was going to say, I don't know if there's, I don't know how we're doing on time, but I don't know if there's a better place to, <laughs> leave, that's, to, to leave it. That's about it. I was, I was going to ask Kaki. Um, <laughs> so I just Googled um, faces of the 47th.com. Yes. Uh, is the website about the film, right? Well, yes. I mean, so that One is, of. yes. So that is really about the art installation, but yes, that is what we're using for the film because really the film is about the art installation. Okay. So that's really so. about like Sarah Ag and that whole thing. Correct. Because there are some other people here from our state that are in the film right yes that's correct uh our lovely mayor david holt because he was actually a senator right he, yeah. he cast one of the votes for the teacher pay raise um congresswoman kendra horn and she too was running and so it's i mean like of, of the two female candidates that were running and they ran on i mean both essentially on education platform it's fantastic they both won and i think they're both serving our state very very well excellent that sounds mm-hmm. great. Cannot wait to see it. Where will you be able to see it after it premieres at Dead Center? Is that a known thing yet? If you Not yet. Hey, if man, you don't, we're just trying to get the world premiere. So if you don't Netflix, have the, if, you if don't, you're listening, we, <laughs> we have... <laughs> it's like if you don't have Dead Center tickets, how can you see the film? Well, it, it, it will appear again, but right now, Dead Center. June 6th and June 9th. So y'all go to Dead Center. That's right. DeadCenterFilm.org. Ride the streetcar and win some tickets. There you go. And then give give me one. Khaki, how can people find you on social media? Uh, Well, on Twitter, I'm Khakiness. Uh, On Facebook, I'm Khaki Porch. Mm -hmm. There we go. That works. Uh, People can just figure it out. (laughs) Senator Hicks, how about you? I'm on Twitter at Hicks number four OK. And Instagram at the same handle. And you can find me at Senator Carrie Hicks on Facebook. Super. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Scott is at SC Melson. I'm at Andy OKC. The whole shebang is at Let's Fix This OK on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, thanks for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about our podcast. Um, tune in next week. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple iTunes. We also just added this to radio.com today scott i didn't tell you that Ooh. we're on radio.com now fancy well we will Surprise. be with this episode i guess the people listen to that we should get on luminary is that a thing yeah it may be out there oh you gotta pay for it yeah. we are not on luminary <laughs> sorry folks if you'd like to support the podcast please go to <laughs> let's fix this okay.org slash donate you can actually sponsor an episode if you'd like um go to our store there's a way to sponsor it right there it's only fifty dollars um and you can get connected with some of Oklahoma's most um, passion-involved just regular people, right? Like citizens who actually care. That would be tremendous. We'd love to have you on. Um, over the course of the summer, Scott and I are going to be doing some series about health care, about education, about um, independent redistricting, criminal justice criminal reform. Justice reform. And we are uh, may take a road trip. We might do a road trip might, to ooh, Grand Lake. Might, right? take, might take a couple of road trips. That's, That's right. Uh, and are you, are you going to use anyone's sound equipment? We might use your possible. sound equipment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.